It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Australia from Inspired EC in the she's sitting at in Master Command right now. Uh, Nicole Halton, how you Correct. doing, Nicole? I'm great. I'm fantastic. It's sunny, which is nice because it's now summer, so it is sunny almost. Um, although I did have a jumper on yesterday, so that wasn't real great. But you know, yeah. Whatever. There's a there's a cold blast going through here. Not so cold where where we are, but uh, but further north it is uh, double digits below below oh my gosh. zero. Um, so no, yeah, that just shouldn't be allowed. Really- really really cold um so hey if you're in a really really cold place you got you got some hot podcast talk coming to you right now uh because we're going to get into the uh, this is part six of our developing early math skills series we're going to talk about things not to do to help kids develop early math skills um we didn't we didn't collaborate on this but nicole and i both doing a show prep we call it in the business in, in the, the business, business, they call it uh, call it show prep. Uh, before we get into that, Nicole, did I ask you about the twelve hour walk? Did we talk? We talked about that, right? About the what? The twelve hour walk. No. Okay, so we we've talked. We're, we're you know we've got the uh, the twenty twenty three playful change challenge, and so one of the things that I'm going to do um, at some point is a twelve hour walk. There's a uh, twelve hours straight. Well, well, here's here's the deal. I've I've checking I've I've been checking in with the other hosts about this. Um, so the twelve hour walk idea. There is a an American dude. He was trying to break a record for walking across Antarctica, um, and 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 so he's out there. He's got a sled dog. No, he doesn't have any dogs. He's got just got a sled that he's pushing all his food on and everything. And he thinks he if he walks ten hours a day, he can break this record. And it's like. I don't know, 50, 60, 70 days or something like that. But there's a there's a British guy starting at the same time. And after his first day of walking, he he realized he had to, he was like on the on the cell, the satellite phone with his wife, and and they're kind of calculating and he's he's gonna need to pick up the pace. And so starting from the second day on, walk 12 hours a day across Antarctica and ended up breaking this record. But then he he wrote a book about how how reflective and and valuable that time in your own head on those on those on, on that walking was and so his 12 hour 12 hour walk challenge is you walk out the door no tech no earbuds no podcasts no audiobooks 
just you you can have your phone with you for security and you know if you need to call somebody to rescue you or something but no playing with the media no listening to no listening to acdc i know that's what all you australians listen to all the time yes. is acdc um yeah <laughs> my seven-year-old actually loves acdc oh i love your seven-year-old um uh so so none of that stuff you can you can you, you know you can take a take a notebook with you if you want to jot down some notes and then you're you're out walking for 12 hours you can stop as often as you want, you know, if you need to not stop and sit on a bench or rest a little bit, but it's just you and your thoughts in motion for 12 hours. It's a long time. Look, I I don't know if I need more time in my own head. I feel like I'm in my sure. own head a lot. Um, but I do, get, I get the point behind it. I mean, I love to like bushwalk and when I bushwalk, I usually, like if I just go for a walk around the streets, I usually have my earbuds in and I listen to a podcast or an audio book or whatever as I'm going. Sure. But if I go for a bushwalk, then I tend to not because I like to be able to hear the birds and, you know, hear if someone's creeping up behind me or something. Um, so I, I tend to sort of slow down and be a bit more connected then. So I can see the value in it. I just feel like 12 hours is a really long time. And do you start like in the dark or do you finish in the dark like what time of year is this happening is it are there longer well, days like do you well, have daylight saving our our playful challenge uh playful, playful change challenge uh part, part of the way you keep it playful is you you set the schedule by your own by your own <laughs> self one of those that first condition of play um but so in that framework, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it when it's still kind of wintry here. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna probably leave in the light and come back in the dark. Um, mm. Tasha and I next month we're going to we're gonna do a preview. We're gonna go. You're supposed to be by yourself. We're gonna do one together. We're gonna try eight hours. Um, by okay. together. I I thought maybe we could allow earbuds. Tasha said we're going without them. So um, you got you got that. I'm, I'm gonna do mine all along the beach. When I when I do mine, I was going to say, um, do you have a location? No, you you no, you do you you do you. I mean, but do you set out with a location? Like, is it something I, where that's, you that's something to... you that's something you decide? Yeah, that's totally up that's to you. That's very flexible. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there I I've talked to uh, some of the other hosts about it, um, and everybody is ranging from hell no. I wouldn't give that. I I will will not be doing that. To oh, I could maybe do some version of that. So, there uh, was a guy here in Australia just oh, I don't know a few weeks back, and he ran from one side of the country to the other, um, and he raised like two million dollars for charity. It was very impressive, but he did these really big long days, sure. and he said that he said that being on your own and in your own head, like he said, yeah. some days was hard. Like some days it was very hard. He said because you've got you know, the self-talk of maybe I can't go on, my feet hurt, you know, like he said, and you kind of can get yourself a bit spiraled. But then he said other days you just have like this clarity about different things in your life. And, you know, like he said, I, I he had lots of ideas while he was walking or running and yeah. whatnot. So I look, I, I can't say that I will be jumping in for it just well, yet. I'll, I'll keep you, I'll keep you updated and, and, and let okay. you know how it goes. And maybe, uh, did he go, which way did he go? The, uh, he came from Perth. Or, uh -huh. He came from Perth to Sydney. So I think he came, so he sort of went down the coast a bit and then across the Nullarbor, which is our longest straight stretch of road. And sure. it's like a ridiculous length of straight road. Um, and he said that was really hard. That was the toughest part because it's just, straight road dirt 
and nothing else. Like yeah. some days, sometimes he said you wouldn't see a car for like hours or, you know, like it was very isolated. Um, is that that's along, that's down south or is that, is that? Yeah, like... so it's down the bottom. So um, Perth's kind of a similar, similar spot along the coast to Sydney. So it kind of runs along, <clears throat> along the lower half of the country. Yeah, I think I had to drive that in the. Uh, I think Tosh and I drove that in the middle of the night because uh, because of the way you schedule things. Uh, so I didn't get to. <laughs> Not uh, me. It was wasn't a, me. Yeah. Come on, we'll blame Tosh. <laughs> yeah, come on, Tosh. <laughs> uh, but but in, in the middle of the night, all you got to do is just you know just let go of the steering wheel, and it, it's just nice and straight. Just so, away. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk math. Early math. Um, so. Um, We've t this is series. This is episode number six of this. Um, things not to do to help kids develop early math skills. Um, what's the first thing on your? Uh, how many things do you have on your list? I've got four. I have four too. Oh, oh. We'll, see how, we'll see how much we match up. What's uh, what's one of your things? I don't know how to word my first thing, but it's like forced counting. Like you know, when you force children to like, how many of these do we have? You know, like here's the paintbrushes how many paintbrushes are in the jar like that that useless unnecessary counting of things and that it, why why am I asking you that what's the purpose is that really unnecessary yeah I've got I think that would fit under mine on my list I've got <laughs> uninvited teaching there um, we go yeah so I think that would that would that's what I would think would fall into that category. Yeah, it's that thing you do where you're you're asking questions that you as the adult probably already know the answer well, you to. Should know. Yeah. Um because you're what you're really doing is you're you're trying to test them to find out what they know and you're you're trying to just to sprinkle a little bit of uh, of academics into their into their day and and often those kind of things are done in, in a way that interrupts the flow of the kid's day because all they're trying yeah. to do, they're trying to put the paintbrushes into the, the glass mason jar um, and and they're they're totally. They don't give a shit how many there are. That. Yeah, yeah, they they have they have no shits to give about about how many there are. They're just enjoying the process of doing it because that's where they yeah. are developmentally. Um, because they're two and a half and they don't care about numbers yet or whatever yeah. it is. Um, so I think there's I think there's other stuff that falls into that. <clears throat> I mean, we do it all the time with, and it's not only numbers. We do it with colors and letters shapes and, and shapes yeah. and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, and I think there's no harm in like, there's no harm in during a conversation with a child, you know, if they say, um, for example, I don't know, using concepts like and math sort of concepts like more and less and. I think we can model some of those things in our conversations with children, but it's not about testing them and making them give that back to us. So it's more just a, you know, if they say, oh, I've got lots of blocks. And go, oh, you have. Look, you know, you've got four big blocks, you know, and small, lots of smaller blocks or whatever. So I've given the example that you've got four big blocks. So we're talking about numbers, but it's not me saying, how many big blocks do you have in the teacher voice that usually comes with the forced <laughs> counting and questioning? Um, you know, it's that more conversational, I think, than anything. You know, I mean, we know that about children's language development, how much of it comes about just as a result of 
our conversations with children. I always used to say, um, particularly my eldest, but all of my kids were pretty good talkers and early talkers. And I wonder what, I I wonder, they, did they get that from their dad? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think most of it, like I've never been the, you know, um, the direct teacher with them, like, and it's never been about trying to teach them particular things. I can still remember my sister-in-law thinking my nephew was amazing at one and a half because he could count to 10 in Japanese. And I'm like, and like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of that? Whereas for me, it was more about the conversation. And so all of my children picked up lots of language just as a result of conversation. And I even hear them now, you know, that they're a bit older, experimenting with different words that they might have heard me say or they've heard their older brother say and you know like they kind of play around with that and I think the more we expose children to math and to numbers and those concepts like you know more and less and you know faster and slower and you know all those up down under over you know whatever we can expose children to all of those sorts of things but we don't have to actually direct instruction them yeah yeah um and so does the does does the uninvited teaching almost always come with the sing-songy teacher voice? I think it does. I, I feel like it's a prerequisite. Um, I don't have a very good teacher voice. Um, I, I really struggled. I was one of the things that made me think that maybe I wasn't supposed to be a teacher because when I first started doing like my um, like practical placements when I was studying and I'd go into these services and you'd see these teachers and they'd be like, okay, everybody come sit on the mat. And I think, what the fuck is this? Like, why are you talking to them like they're idiots? And I just didn't have that. I was like, I just talk to them like they're just people. Like, I I don't know. And I I get there's an element of, you know, I know there's a lot of research around, um, you know, there's a term for it. Do you know what the term's called off the top of your head? Where you um the parentese kind of yes yes that parentese there is biological and you know historical reasons why we do that and so I get it but I do think that there are a lot of educators who really lay it on thick and they lay it on thick with that direct instruction rather than you know just ordinary conversation yeah, and, and I mean, my my guess would be young humans can become numerate without ever hearing the the fake sing-songy teacher voice. Um, Nicole, I'm I'm very concerned. What happened to your thumb? Did you have a thing on your thumb? I Where thought one of your I thought one of your thumbs like you had a band aid or something on one of your. I don't think so. Was, oh, good, because I don't know. Maybe I'm was, like holding maybe up, holding up everything yeah. that I have in my hand. No, maybe right it was now, a, I'm like. Maybe it was a weird video thing. Your 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 water bottle thumb looked like it had a thing on it. Um, I was worried. I thought you were injured. I'm glad you're not. Maybe um, just my thumb looks funny through the water bottle. Uh, well, that could know. be it. Um, what what what's another one you have on your list? Um, also on my list was flashcards. Ah, we're matched up there too. Um, so yeah, flat. Look, um. I, I mean, I can make an argument that flashcards could indeed be be playful if they happen to be laying there and kids happen to pick them up and choose They're not them. Used by the adult. And and maybe the only way an adult would be involved is if the kid invited them to be involved. But yeah. the whole sitting down and drilling with the flashcards things is is one hundred percent unnecessary in the early years for kids to to develop early math skills. It's just a yeah. 
a, a waste of everybody's time and you know, I, I, I guess some people might make the argument that there's a there's a social aspect to to that, or there could be if it's kind of a one on one thing. But I, I think you could probably figure out other ways to have a social in, interaction with the child that was flashcardless. Absolutely, and I think I've just had another thought, and I think it kind of relates to flashcards, so I'll add it in now. But and it's co- probably controversial. Number oh, books, good. you know, like books you know, children's picture books, but their sole purpose is numbers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it might be like one echidna, two kangaroos, three cockatoos. Like, you know, they've kind of went all Australian animals for you. Um, But it's, that's the sole purpose is, and we turn the page and go, one echidna. Wow, look, one echidna. And so you have the teacher voice when you do that. Then Mm -hmm. you turn the page again and go, how many kangaroos do we have? You know, like it's that, there's no story to it. Like I have yeah. no issues with number in a story. There's um a great book here, which I don't know whether you have it here. It's weird, the books that seem to be in both places and then some not. Um, But uh, The Waterhole by Graham Bays. Mm, I don't know it, but I'm, you know, it's old. Great. And... So it's an old book though. Like it's getting oh. old now. But essentially the, um you know, it goes through like numbers but it's also a book where you can see all these amazing, like um, incredible illustrations and mm-hmm. it is all hidden animals within the illustrations and whatever. So it counts through numbers, but it's talking about like animal extinction and um, as a result of there not being enough rain and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, but it's a story. And so it does talk about numbers. There's definitely a number element to it and you can have some of those conversations, but there's actually a story behind it. It's not just here's the number yeah. now memorize the number and what does it look like yeah i, I hadn't thought about those <laughs> books but i would i would totally i, I would put them in my un, uninvited te- uninvited teaching uh category mm. because that's that's your i mean the kids are like oh good a story and Here we oh, are again no, i'm i'm <laughs> forced to learn numbers again yeah. um so yeah and you know the flashcards i you know if you get the flashcards or you've got them sitting in your storage room, um, taking them and uh, dropping them into your process art center. And I thought uh, you were about to say dropping them into the shredder or something. <laughs> no, because That's where I, I, could see, them. I could see kids totally wanting to take them and, and cut the numbers out and doing yeah. their own thing with the, uh, the images on those things. And I mean, that would make them a little bit more playful instead of, uh, the whole sitting down and and flashcarding and and I mean some places they get started with those things really early right yeah I mean really early uh I I think two-year-olds have other things to do the the last episode in this this series we talked about just the the physical development the the, the sensory development that needs to go on uh before math learning can happen and uh, i'd rather have my two and three-year-olds focusing on their 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 proprioceptive systems um and vestibular systems than on than on fucking flashcards what's the next on your list uh next on my list was worksheets or as we <gasps> call them here stencils oh stencils um Um, yeah look and that goes for anything not just math ones but like I don't like any of them but those sorts of and you know I see my my kids bring them home when once they started like formal schooling and you know they get these math books and they're just filled with like worksheets and Sarah has two coins and Fred has two color in the coins and you know like all this sort of crap and I get that there's 
a need for a more practical element to math. But one day I actually helped out in my daughter's class and they were doing math um, then. And they, the experience was, it was around, you know, counting money or whatever. And the children had to make up certain amounts of money using physical money, play money, obviously. The children were very disappointed. It wasn't real money, but (laughs) they had to, you know, like they had all these amounts and they had to make up the amounts using real money. That was fine because it was a physical tactile, they could move things around and, Mm -hmm. but to actually do that on a stencil or a worksheet, I just feel like it's unnecessary. There's far especially more. With, especially if you're three or four. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I get that as children get older and look, even as adults, you know, some adults really like a worksheet. They like a stencil. Sure. They like a template that shows what to do and when to do it and how to fill it in. And, you know, and there's lots of things that we do, lots of forms and whatever that are that kind of base. But I think when we're talking about really young children, there's just absolutely zero need whatsoever like they just don't need to yeah recently i did an episode with sam where we got into a whole thing about about worksheets and and works i mean they can totally be used playfully again if you're you're paying attention to those uh, to grace five conditions of play where the kids are choosing them and the kids are yeah. making the rules and we're not putting them under 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 pressure to to do them and all that kind of thing but but you know forcing the kids to sit down and and do our um this learning is kind of a, a, a misuse of of their time and energy and doesn't really it doesn't really fit into any place. Uh, the 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 last episode we were together and we talked about uh, uh, the theories of Malaguzzi. It doesn't really fit in. And worksheets don't. I could I can't find a place where it fits in. No. Um, no. To to his theories. Um, and then way back, way back in the dark ages of the podcast, uh, Lisa and I think I think did a did a worksheet episode. Um, so you know, forget the worksheets and. Uh, and move on. What's your what's your other thing on your list? Okay, so my fourth one's probably a little bit facetious. Yeah, don't do algebra. Like just at all, <laughs> ever. <laughs> so a, I said I had four. I probably should have said I had three. What, what, um, but yeah, that, no, don't do algebra. That, what's that mean? Just don't do algebra. Don't do shit that they can't do and oh, shouldn't okay. do and don't need to do. For me, it's algebra. Like, you know, the like A equals, you know, whatever, like, I don't know. Look, if we're going to be serious, don't do algebra, but also don't try and do things that are unnecessary. Like, you know, I I get that for some people, algebra might be necessary at some point in their lives. I've never experienced a need for algebra in my everyday life, but for some people, maybe there is a need, but so much of what we do with children is unnecessary. And yet we let them down in things that are practical and valuable for life. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we push them into into things that even if if even if they are potentially valuable, they're they're not in this moment developmentally appropriate or necessary. Yeah, and or relevant. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, in the preschool years, if we can if we can manage one to one correspondence, um, yeah. By the time we're we're three or four years old, we're, right. we're doing we're we're doing pretty good. Um, and and you know if we can identify that the that the uh, that the uh, the the little round one is a zero, and the uh, the one that looks like t- that looks like a part of a snowman is a is a is an eight. You know we're doing we're we're doing fairly doing well. Okay. Although yeah. what does you know, not a lot of snowmen in the Australia. What's a what's an eight look like to Australians? I think it still looks like an, a snowman because a lot of Australian children watch a lot of American television. So oh, okay. we don't oh, we good. don't have, look. We do get snow, just not sure. and not often. 
and yeah, not much. There, Who wanted ever, children after seeing it? Is there ever enough to make a snowman? Yeah, just not not where I am. But if you yeah. go, I don't know, about six hours south, you get a bit of snow, and you know, yeah, we get like the, we get a bit of snow. The, the Blue Mountains, or yeah, Blue Mountains, you can get some really heavy snow. So that's only like three four hours away. Um, down like we've actually got um our ski area down at uh Jindabyne and that kind of area so that's that's snowy on a, on the way to Canberra there you go so on the way to the yeah. capital there is actually some proper snow where you can ski and snowboard and make a snowman and do all those sorts of things but uh anywhere north of that no not usually enough to do no, anything like a snowman I saw I the, the winter we spent in Australia I saw three snowflakes Cut them, cut them all on my tongue and ate them. They were delicious. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping for a blizzard, but it didn't happen. Um, uh, yeah. So, so no. I, what the fuck were we talking about? Um, you were talking about numbers. Um, what was your fourth one? So, what was so your my fourth one? one? My fourth one is is lessons slash activities, and so maybe I, I because I think there are non worksheet and non flashcard lessons and and activities that we that are supposed to be numeracy based that that kids get pushed into and and sometimes we we hide them we try to hide them into a in a craft activity or or things like that um where we're we're doing a doing a thing as a group and i think that you know if the whole group doesn't isn't interested then let them let them go do something that they care about yeah, and I I can remember we when I first started in early childhood, um, even like the preschoolers used to have like you know a rest time, and um, often what would be brought out at rest time were like the things that had been in the storeroom since like the eighties, and you know lots of math games and things like that, and they were supposed to be fun and playful, and it's like you'd see the children kind of go Ugh, like. You know, it wasn't actually what they wanted to be doing, and yeah. but it was like it was math disguised as play, and it's like actually it's not play. Just because you call it a game doesn't mean it's play, and doesn't mean it's fun, and doesn't mean that they actually want to do it. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I separated that from the un, uninvited teaching because I think I think they're slightly different. I think the the lessons and activities are those pre-planned things, and the mm. uninvited teaching is where where you see a kid lining lining up the blocks and you ask them to count them and, and yeah. you know that kind of stuff that you were mentioning. So I think there's a slight difference there. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap this one up? Um, no, I don't think so. Just don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. And and look, <laughs> listeners, kids are. It's it's not like kids are going to grow up to be mass murderers if you do flashcards with them or anything. But it's uh, th there are more efficient There's ways for their little brains to learn those skills than than using those tools. And and those are I, I, pretty much everything we went over is stuff that was pushed down from kindergarten or first or second grade into the preschool classroom and 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 kids just most of them most of the time aren't interested or ready for them and they've got other things they need to be learning before they get to an interest or the skills that are necessary to to do those things um again yeah. they need to develop their vocabularies and their bodies and and all that kind of stuff um and they need to need to touch a lot of stuff and move lots of things around so they they become aware of shapes and quantities and those kind of things and and that's that's their time better spent in their early years if we can trust them Absolutely. to do that. 
this hey oh listeners also I haven't thrown this out there you can you can call the uh, call or text the childcare bar and grill hotline at 228-363-6737 what can you call or text with well if you got uh you, you look you need uh, you want a drunk dial a totally um a, a number of our hosts are waiting for that to happen and want to be in, involved in the episode where where I share I, I share uh, drunk calls from listeners so that can totally happen if you're interested interested um you need you need you got stuff look uh jessica called a while ago we did an hour-long episode with uh with her her it ended up being two voicemails from jessica because she had a story to tell um sarah called we talked about felt pizzas um harmony called with some knock knock jokes uh pam look look pam Pam, you're, you're, you're pulling me two different directions because first you let me know, hey, you guys are always talking about poop. And then you you called, you you left a, te- you sent a text and told me about a, a, a poop book that you found that the kids really enjoyed. So, uh, so Pam, wow. I don't know if you're, I don't know if Pam is anti-poop or pro-poop. Um, so, <laughs> what side um, of the poop fence are you on, Pam? Yeah, or a poop fence. That, that sounds like, that sounds like a horrible thing. A poop fence. <laughs> Is that a fence like made out of poop or is it to keep you away from? Uh, I think there's poop on one side and not on the other. So yeah, Pam's listeners, like not listeners, sure if she's on which side. Yeah, if you have thoughts on a poop fence, uh, let us know. If you need relationship <laughs> advice, uh, uh, hit the hotline. You uh, you got some fun, playful stuff going on in your classroom and you want to send some pictures, uh, do that. Um, I would, I would say send pictures of, uh, of, of, of selfies of yourself, listening to the podcast, but I'm not sure I want, I want mm. that. I don't know how people listen. Um, but, uh, you know, make use of that because that helps us generate content for you back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.